Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio as we continue our studies in biblical prophecy by studying Paul's letter to the Thessalonians in the New Testament. And in particular, we have been focusing on St. Paul saying he brought the gospel to town with great power, great transformations in the hearts and minds of those who heard him. And because of that gospel, St. Paul was run out of town, really before he could even get this church properly established, at least in his plans. And that's why he wrote these letters back, because he was concerned for these new converts that he had been forcefully separated from. But before we get any further, let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of thy word. Amen. And I'm coming back to you today, reminding you of the important key for understanding biblical prophecy. It's not the only key, but it's certainly a central key, is that kingship, lordship, rulership, these related concepts and words are key for understanding biblical prophecy. And as we go through this series, I'm going to be teaching you various terms that can open up your understanding of what's going on when we discuss biblical prophecy. And today's term is dispensationalism. Boy, that's a long one. A dispensation is a time period in the Bible. Like you'd have the creation, the time of the flood, the time of the patriarchs, the time of King David, the New Testament and such. And everyone has agreed that there are various time periods in the Bible. What sets dispensationalism apart is that rather than viewing these different time periods in the Bible as parts of one overriding story of redemption, they believe that there are different ways that God will save his people, different ways God acts in different time periods, and the time periods they view as radically separated from the other time periods. Hence, everybody believes in dispensations. Dispensationalism takes it a little too far. Now, we're going to be talking a lot about dispensationalism in the upcoming weeks and months, since it is the most popular and widespread understanding of biblical prophecy in the United States, in England, and everywhere in the world where American televangelists are broadcasting. It's the interpretive principle behind Hal Lindsey's Lake Great Planet Earth. It's the interpretive principle behind the Left Behind novels. And again, most of the books and televangelists and radio shows coming out today, most are dispensationalists. And I need to mention, though, that this is not some kind of major conflict between Catholicism and Protestantism. Dispensationalism is a view that's only about 200 years old 
it was not held by a single Protestant reformer, not one. And there are many Protestants today that don't buy into this whatsoever, but it has become the predominant view through a careful use of study Bibles, broadcast, teaching, and whereas today some people feel like this is as true as uh, principle of the virgin birth or that Jesus worked a miracle or that the scriptures are the true word of God. So today we're going to see how one word can bring down the skyscraper. One word can bring down the edifice of dispensationalism. And that word we have been concentrating on is gospel. And we're going to have to just reinforce it one more time because somebody might be thinking, oh, this is Steve's view versus somebody else's view, blah, blah, blah. Am I, am I just cooking this gospel up? I mean, uh, does gospel really mean the good news that Jesus Christ is king of the world and that Caesar and every other pretender who claims divinity and being lord of the world, they're really not, they're phonies? Well, I showed you the Jewish background for the word gospel from Isaiah 52. It means your God reigns. I showed you what gospel meant in the Roman Empire. It meant Caesar is Lord. It meant Caesar was not only the ruler, but he was also divine. And St. Paul came to town like Thessalonica and said, no, Jesus is Lord. So I'm going to give you two more witnesses today. I mentioned the two, the Jewish background, the Gentile background in our previous broadcast. Today, I'm going to turn to uh, N-T, the initials, N-T Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. He has a book entitled, How God Became King, The Forgotten Story of the Gospels. Dr. Wright's been a professor at Oxford, Cambridge, and St. Andrews. In other words, he's smart, and a number of other universities. He's also received an honorary doctorate from the Ecumenical Institute of Theology at St. Mary's Seminary in May 2012, and Newsweek calls him the world's leading New Testament scholar. Personally, I agree. I, I wish he was a Catholic. He isn't. He is an utterly brilliant man. You want to know what's on my very short Christmas list this year? Uh, it's a book by Dr. Wright. I try to at least read one of his books every year. It's just an education, to say the least. So, in his book entitled, How God Became King, The Forgotten Story of the Gospels. And if you're wondering, if you're just saying, well, I just thought gospel meant good news, it's happy about Jesus or something very uh, innocuous and nonspecific. If gospel, in fact, has been forgotten, that it's the kingship of Jesus, we need to pay attention to what Dr. Wright is about to say, and I'm quoting from his book. We come now to the central claim of this book. All four gospels are telling the story of how God became king in and through his story of Jesus of Nazareth. This is the central theme of the Gospels. Well, if it is, how, how come we haven't been hearing about this? He goes on, Christians in the West have failed even to glimpse, let alone preach, the story of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
The story they're telling is how God became king in and through Jesus. Now, that's from the man who Newsweek has identified as the world's leading New Testament scholar. He's saying that Christians in the West, and he's including scholars, he's including preachers, he's including, quote, prophecy experts, so-called, they have failed even to glimpse what the Gospels are about. So, well, you say, okay, well, you know, Steve says this. Yeah, he got the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Gentile world. Okay, the world's leading New Testament scholar. This is looking pretty good, but but uh, Dr. Wright isn't a Catholic, and so maybe he's just off on this. Okay, so I have a question for you. When did Donald Trump become the 45th president of the United States? Well, gee, that's easy. He became president shortly after noon on Friday, January 20th, 2017. Why? Why then? Well, that's when he was inaugurated. Okay. So in other words, when he was inaugurated, he became president of the United States. Okay. Now let's go to the catechism of the Catholic Church and let's see when Jesus was inaugurated and what he was inaugurated for. Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 664, says, being seated at the Father's right hand, in other words, Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, was seated at the right hand of the Father, which we can confess every week in the creed, signifies the inauguration of the Messiah's kingdom the fulfillment of the prophet Daniel's vision concerning the Son of Man. To him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. After this event, the apostles became witnesses of the kingdom that will have no end. Unquote. Catechism of the Catholic Church, 664. He was inaugurated 2,000 years ago. Now, I am going to uh, share something. It's just going to take about three minutes that took me several years to figure out. Okay. We're going to go back to dispensationalism, the major view of prophecy floating around the English-speaking world, especially the United States. Okay, And we want to look at what dispensationalism believes about the reign of Jesus as king. According to the Catechism, he was inaugurated after his ascension to heaven. According to Dr. Wright, it was the story of the Gospels. He came and has launched a kingdom, according to Thessalonians, according to Isaiah 52. But here's dispensationalism's time scheme. Sometime in the future will be the rapture as they understand it, and that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. After that event there follows a seven-year tribulation. After that seven-year tribulation, then follows Jesus' kingdom 
in what they view as a future millennium or 1,000-year kingly reign of Jesus. What's really, really wrong with this picture? St. Paul and his companions came to Thessalonica. It's recorded in Acts chapter 17. And verse 6, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is, not will be, someday, after the rapture, after the tribulation, in a future millennium, there is another king, Jesus. You see, the fatal flaw in the rapture at any moment interpretation of biblical prophecy, it puts Jesus's kingly reign sometime in the future, when it's staring us in the face. It's a present reality, as well as a past reality. It's something that has been going on for nearly 2,000 years. And yet, according to Dr. Wright, and he's correct, he's right, right is right, Christians in the West have failed even to glimpse, let alone preach, the story of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of how God became king in and through Jesus. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Episode 6 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.